Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today, I've got a returning guest. And by the way, we just spent the last 45 minutes when we were supposed to be recording a podcast, just riffing on life. And so I'm super excited because uh, we're going to carry that energy into this show. And I think you guys, my audience, if I think I know my audience, if I know my audience, I think you're going to be inspired by this story. And like I said, he's a returning guest. But the last time we had him on, um, I don't know that we really dug into uh, really the depth of who he is and what he's doing in life and just the value that he adds everywhere he goes. And I was telling him pre-show, um, and this doesn't happen a lot. And I'm not just saying this, like whenever I'm scrolling, um, through Instagram and I see his content every time I stop, because there's always something, um, you know, amazing and, a, uh, an amazing takeaway, some depth to that conversation that gets me thinking about something else. And so I'm excited to bring him to you today and really just kind of, you know, dig on his story a little bit more. So Jamie Gruber, thanks for being back. Hey Amen. Thank you for having me back in that from you, the Mike Ayala, as I always call you. Um, that's a, uh, those are big words. So I appreciate it, man. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for that intro. Yeah. It's going to be a sad day. So, um, on Instagram, there's a guy named Mike Ayala. Um, it's not the Mike Ayala, it's Mike yeah. Ayala. And so I've been trying to get that. I don't know if we talked about this, but I've been trying to we get did. his handle forever and the price keeps going up. I'm like, dude, I'll give you a thousand dollars, but he just doesn't respond. And there's no post. there's never been anything. And so when I get that, I think you're going to be sad because you can no longer call me the Mike Ayala. Of course I can. I can, I can still <laughs> call you that. It just, you know, it won't, it won't be, it won't make sense to people. That's all. But for me, it'll make perfect sense. Yeah. Well, so we're not going to go into the four questions today. Um, cause we covered that in the last episode. And if you guys are sure. interested in that, just go back and listen to Jamie's previous episode in that episode, kind of our emphasis then was, uh, you know, around ascend and emerge, which Jamie's yeah. a huge part of that program. And, you know, I don't want to spend a lot of time there, but for those of you that don't know, um, I'm a huge fan of GoBundance. It's revolutionized, changed my life. And so, um, Jamie has helped create this program in GoBundance called ascend uh, emerge and then ascend, right? Is that the correct order? Yep. Yeah. Correct. Yep. You got it. Um, and that's for all of you that are listening that are not yet ready to qualify for GoBundance and it helps get you prepared and get you to that level. So if you're interested in any of that, you can go back and listen to that episode. But what we're really here to talk with Jamie about today is his journey around exiting his W2 job. So Jamie, it hasn't been that long. No, no, uh, just about six, I'm right at the six month mark right now as we speak. So yeah, it hasn't been that long. Dude, so the other, the other day, and I was thinking about this as we were leading up to this conversation, the other day I was speaking to your Ascend group, which by the way, seriously, probably I, I got, I think I, not even think, I got more direct interaction and engagement from that group afterwards than any other Zoom call I've ever done. So yeah. um, that says a lot about the guys and girls that are in that group. So um, well done. Yeah, appreciate but it. what I was thinking about, um, you know, this has been quite the journey for you. And one of the questions that they asked me that night was like, um, you know, what was your process like of like planning to leave your W2 and all this stuff? And, and I was like, you know, I'm a bad person to ask about this because I just like, when I see something, I just go for it. So I'm curious about, 
Um, you know, a lot of these guys and girls are, you know, building their one, two, three, four, five year plan to exit their W2 job. And that's cool. Um, some of us need that. But for me, it was just like, oh, I'm done. This is no longer serving me. I'm out. So I'm curious to hear kind of the backstory on, you know, how that all came together for you. For me, you know, I think there's I think there's a, a key. And I was actually just talking to a guy yesterday who left his job twice, right? Left, went back to a different job and then left again. And even he articulated this difference uh, in in the healthy way, I think, to leave a job, especially when you're embedded, when you're an embedded W-2 guy. Like you were a you were a pretty young entrepreneur. Like your W-2 wasn't that long, right? You were in your 20s, I think, when you started your business, if I'm not correct, if I'm mistaken, right? 24, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you were, you were at that age in life where, yeah, you kind of go, but when you get into your thirties and forties, you have a couple of kids. I know you had kids back then, but you know, that, that sense of responsibility, that sense of conditioning is there around. I, this is what I do. My value is determined by a, by a chart that my company says your job level is this, therefore your pay range is here to here. Like it's all set for you. You don't know how to determine your value. You don't know any of that stuff. The healthy way to leave a job, I think is to run towards something. And that's what I think people need to build before they exit. The guy that I talked to, and even me three years ago, the guy that I talked to that left his job, and if I had left my job three years ago, it would have been running away, and it was for him running away. It would have been saying, I don't want this anymore. I'm going to leave and go do something else. Mm -hmm. But that something else is still sort of TBD. And you have the dreams of, man, if I left, I could do this, and I could do that, and I could build this, and I could build that. But the reality of what that is, of what that is that you think you're going to build or you want to build or whatever, uh, there's there's a there's a, an evolution to that. So I think you have to start by figuring out what is a, a passion point of yours. What's something that you might want to build a business around or spend time and focus around something you can you can build as a side hustle, for instance, while you have your W-2 and then allow for that to pivot. In other words, I exited saying, oh, real estate, I'm going to invest in real estate, be this operator. Then I learned I don't like being an operator, right? I love real estate, but I don't like being an operator, but I really like the community around real estate. So I started building content around multifamily and all of that stuff. And then later I learned I didn't love maybe just only talking about multifamily. We talked about this earlier, like mindset and goal setting and all that became something. And, you know, I'm, I'm at this point now where I'm sort of personal brand capital raiser for a syndicator. Like that's kind of what the, the brand is pivoted to, but that was sort of preset, predetermined and, and evolved while I had my job. So when I left, I left with love. I left with appreciation for what I had at that job. I left as like, you know, I've, I've gotten what I needed from this and they've gotten what they need from me. And it's time for us to go our separate ways because I have something compelling to go toward. So I think you have to have that. If you are, are like F this place, I'm done with it only. I mean, maybe, I guess that could work, but I've seen and heard and, uh, and read a lot in the guy I just talked to yesterday about when that is the mindset, a lot of times Again, I'm talking about that 35, 45 year old person who's sort of baked in as a W2 mindset employee type of person. When you have that in mind, when you leave with just an FU and I'm going to go do something else, I think that that's less, there's less staying power to that potentially than if you have something compelling to run toward. Uh, so for me, running toward has just been, you know, uplifting, eye opening. You know, I've, I've found so many more opportunities than I ever imagined I could after leaving my job. I, the, the amount of incoming is just overwhelming. And I really believe it's because I built, I built this thing mm -hmm. that I can go toward the something compelling as opposed to running away. Yeah. I, I love what you just said. And I work with a coach, um, on a, on a regular basis. I mean, he kicks my ass every Monday morning. Um, and, and he's taught me a lot about toward energy and away energy toward goals, away goals, which is what I really hear you saying, because uh, 100%, when, yeah. when we're, when we're trying to get away from something, that's not a goal. 
like we're literally running away from something and that's the energy that you're, you're really going with. And, and I love the way that you, you know, reframed that and said, what am I running toward? And I have a question, um, you know, just kind of piggybacking on that because you said something earlier and it's interesting because when you said, you know, even as a young guy, I had, I, I had kids young. So I left when I was 24 and the main, yeah. one of the main reasons why I left that job was because, um, and you're right. I left on good terms. Um, even though it was quick, um, I left on good terms. I actually stayed longer than I wanted to because I was, Same. I was in the middle of, um, a three and a half, four million dollar casino remodel. And uh, there was a bunch of time and material extras cause they just wanted this job done. We were billing like probably three or 400 grand extra, like a month. And so I stayed longer than I wanted to because I wanted to make sure that, you know, I had everything buttoned up, cleaned up, and they were able to get all their money. And, and even afterwards, I gave them a consulting rate because it ended up in litigation. And so I was like helping them collect their money. And so the way you leave is super important. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I agree with that 100%. But the reason why I left my W-2 job was um, it wasn't, and I think this is interesting, and I agree with everything you said, but it just reframed a couple things in my mind. So as, the, as we get older, it's like, you know, what is your value? That box that you were talking about, the 30, 40 year old. Um, <clears throat> I left so early, it wasn't even about how much money I was going to make or what my value was or anything else. It wasn't what is my value. It was what do I value? And the, oh, man. The, reason yeah. why, the reason why I left that job was because my wife was pregnant with our third child. And I was literally working, by the time I'd get all my billing and invoicing and everything done, I was seriously some weeks working 100 110 hours a week, swear. Yeah. I'd, I'd finish the day up and I'd go do, you know, we'd work 10, 12, 14 hour days and I'd go do two or three hours of paperwork trying to keep up with billing and everything else. And I didn't understand leverage and they probably wouldn't have given me help anyway. So mm -hmm. I'm working out of town, not seeing my, you know, two young boys missing the pregnancy with my wife. And I'm like, I, this isn't what I signed up for. Mm -hmm. And I literally, when we're talking about running towards something, I remember having a conversation with my wife and I said, you know, if I'm going to be working 90 or hundred hours a week, I would rather do it for myself in my own yeah. business. And that was the framework that I thought I was running toward. Um, and what I obviously realized quickly, um, if you know my story, um, you don't have to work 80, 90 hours a week. You can work as many as you want and it's all about who and, and leverage and all that. But, but anyway, I wanted to re reframe that a little bit the way that I saw it because, um, yeah, I, I think I was making $20, $22 an hour running a $4 million job at the age of 24. And so it wasn't even really like, oh, I'm going to go start my own business so I can make 26 or 28 or 30 bucks an hour or whatever the number was. It was what, what do I value? So it wasn't even about what is my value. It's what do I value? And for me, it was freedom, which is why this podcast exists. Investing with freedom podcast. No, I, I look, I completely agree with everything you said. I, I think, um, one of the biggest challenges I've had in leaving and that anybody will, that's like, like me, you know, 40 year old, let's just go with 40 years old and, and leaving their job or whatever, mm -hmm. been working forever. When working in a W2 role, high pay, whatever it might be, even in an executive role like I was, but you're, you're an employee, right? When yeah. you leave at that point, when you leave around that, that 40 year old mark, um, you know, it's hard for me not to seek active work mm -hmm. just because I'm so conditioned for that, right? Like mm -hmm. to make money trade time, even though I know, I know listening to you and being in GoBundance and all the guys, like why I'm there, right? Like horizontal income, passive income, not trading time for money. I know that, but I, I constantly find myself dragging my, find me dragging myself back into an active income mindset. Mm -hmm. I think what, what, and you don't give, I don't think yourself enough credit for this, but you are 
uh, I would say a more naturally born entrepreneur. I mean, we talked about it before, like you're, you're the way you see, you know, five requests of your time and what you can do with that, right? Like that's an entrepreneurial mindset that I learned from, like I'm a developing entrepreneur thanks to being around you and other guys like you. So for you at that age of 24 to make that leap is just like, you had such foresight. You had such a, a sense of, you know, like you said, I, if I'm going to work a hundred hours for somebody, I'm going to do it for me. My mindset at 24. And I think a lot of people that, that, uh, that are, are like me that are still working in their thirties and forties. My mindset is like, how do I make more money for this hundred hours a week? Right? Mm -hmm. Like I'm, they're paying me 20. I want to make 30. I want to make 40. I want to make 50. It wasn't, I should do this for me. Not until I got, you know, a, a little later in life. And you talk about kids. I really believe the beginnings of this, I have a six and three year old boy. My six year old boy was born. It was right around that time that I started thinking this way. And then even as we started investing in our kids to be more entrepreneurial, you know, act in Academy versus traditional school for our oldest, all of that part of this decision was like, man, but I'm not, I'm not like my audio and visual video aren't matching it. Right. Like I'm an employee telling my kid to value entrepreneurship while building a side hustle. Like at some point I've got to align here and be the example for him. Um, so to your point about it's, it's about what you value at my age of 24, I value the highest dollar amount per hour I worked. And now I'm trying to unpack that. And to your point, value the most, the, the things that I value most are family, our time, and, you know, the challenge I've had is like, even though I value that time and I know I do, I still find myself sort of succumbing to the prior conditioning of trade time for money. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's yeah. kind of, yeah. Well, it, it makes total sense. And I found myself asking the question and I'll ask you this um, lately. I think I might've even mentioned this on the, you know, the ascend and the emerge call. Um, it's interesting that you started out with, you know, the, the toward goal. Cause like, I think this is what I've been pondering. I think a lot of people are trying to run away from, and I think this is what you were really, you know, pinning down and I want to dive into it further. I think people are running away from not just their job, but a life and a, and a, you know, an entire life sometimes that they've built because yeah. they're not clear on what it is. There's a simple like five part question that I always ask myself and I say it all the time. And it's so simple that I think people overlook it, but what do you really want? Why do you want it? What are you going to do to get it? Measure results. And then the important part is adjust because even when I left my job, you know, I, I became a plumber and literally when I started buying real estate, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this story, but when I started buying real estate, the whole purpose behind, like I thought, okay, if Kara and I could buy uh, two income producing properties a year for 10 years in, by the end of 10 years, I'd have 20 properties. And then by the time I was 65 years old and still owning my plumbing and heating company, I'd have a retirement too. Um, yeah. because most plumbing and heating company owners don't have a 401k and all that kind of stuff. And so that's where my mindset was. And so even when I left as a young entrepreneur, I wasn't envisioning myself doing, you know, all the things I've done. I wasn't envisioning myself selling my company in 10 years and having the portfolio that I owned at that point in time and everything else. And so, um, I think sometimes like, I love the way that you said, you know, not just the way they leave the job, but why, like, why is yeah, it that you yeah. really think you don't want to be a W2 employee, it's gotten such a, you know, I, especially like in some of our circles, I think people get so frustrated because they're frustrated with their life and they're frustrated with what they've built because they haven't really stopped and got clarity around what do you value versus what is your value. And that's the first time you've really like helped me anchor that when you were saying that it's not, mm -hmm. what is your value? It's what do you value? And by the way, you may not ever need to leave that W2 job. Yeah. Um, cause True. like when you were saying I'm a true entrepreneur, I, I believe that like, you know, Gino Wickman just came out with a, another book. He's the traction author. Um, 
I, I can't remember Are they what born or bred. Kind yes. Of thing? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. actually a really good book because it kind of reframed for me. And, and even just hearing some of the stats, like there's very few naturally born entrepreneurs. Like he says like eight to 10% of the population, maybe even says six are like, um, they're, they've got all the six traits. Right. And so yeah. what is your value versus what do you value? And, and here's my question for you. Um, how many, and this isn't a quantified number, but do you think there's a lot of people that are wanting to just leave their W2 job that it really has nothing to do with their W2 and they just really don't know what they want in life and they're not happy with their life? Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Because I think there's a space to, you said it a moment ago, I think there's a space for like leaving your W2 is sexy, right? I think it's the, I, I honestly believe it is. And I'm, I'm one of these people, the, the Corvette midlife crisis item from 30 years ago. Like my dad wanted a Corvette when he was 40, right? At 40 now, we want out of our job. We want to, you know, be on our own and be an entrepreneur and all of that stuff. Ask that question one more time, just so I can, I, I can, but ask it one more time. Cause I, I have a, my, my brain went into three different directions on this and I want to make sure I narrow it in, but go ahead. Ask it one more time. I'm, I'm curious about all three directions, but um, so the question is, do you think a lot of people are wanting to leave their W2 job because they don't know what they value. They really are not happy with their life. They don't know what they value. And so they're really focused on what is my value versus what do I value? Yeah. Yeah. Cause again, I think that, I think that your values can be represented or what you value could be represented in a job. When I was at work, there was a, a role that I had. It was a step or two down from the last job that I had. Uh, where it was sort of like, hey, here's a department, kind of figure it out, right? Like, we don't know what to do with this. And that sort of spoke to the inner entrepreneur that I had, but it gave me like an intrapreneurial uh, uh, endeavor to, to, to follow, right? But it, it was a fun job for me because I'm just not a guy who who's really good at, you know, like just follow the structure and these processes and things get done. Like, I I need to be creative. I need to have some, some you know, some, some things that I could do. I need to be able to put my imprint on things. So there are roles within W2 Jobs that can service what you value, but no doubt about it. Mark Henteman, uh, we were talking about him. He's a, an investor. He's a GoBundance guy as well. I remember talking to him about this, how, how when he, uh, he's a writer, right? For the family guy, great show. But when he uh, uh, wanted to become a writer, his whole thing back then was in, you know, 18, 17, 16 years old, like, I wanted to write comedy. So I would write comedy. I just every day would sit down and write comedy. And then he looked up and he had results, right. That allowed him to be uh, the writer that he is this Emmy nominated, you know, 21 year writer. I always chased the results. Mm. So I looked at what's a job I can do. What's something that can fill this sort of um, uh, uh, life created by somebody else for me. And when I say somebody else, that means expectations of my parents, expectations of my teachers, expectations of the friend, friend group that I had. What's something that fits that box so that everybody's happy with me? Cause that matters, mattered, matters to me. And how can I go as high as I possibly can there? How can mm. I earn as much as I possibly can? It wasn't about what I was doing. It was about the result I would get, which was lifestyle, keeping up with the Joneses, making sure everybody's happy with me, all of that stuff, right? So absolutely 100%, a big part of me leaving my job wasn't the job, it was a great job. I mean, a good company, great values. They, they live into them, makes a ton of money. They make a ton of money, they do a great, great job industry leader in the insurance business. I, I, I invest in them still to this day. Right. But for me, it was what that job represented in the lifestyle that I had. My lifestyle was that I was doing something and I was in something that just didn't speak to who I was or mm. what I valued or whatever. So absolutely. It's not the job. It's what the job represents for you, which is a lifestyle that you didn't set out to have. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, 
I wanted to be a sportscaster. That's what I wanted to do. And I, I set down that path and it just, you know, wasn't something that I had enough passion for to follow through on. Like, I just wanted to like make me a sport, put me in the NFL booth, like tomorrow, right? Like 18 yeah. years old. I, you know, I didn't want to work for it. So fine. I didn't do it. And I followed this path, but within that were elements that I learned today that really spoke to me. Like I love storytelling. So to be a, uh, an NFL broadcaster allows me to see what I'm seeing and then tell a compelling story to an audience who gets value out of that. Mm. That's, an, that's what I really wanted. Football was just the medium at that point, or at least in my mind, it was like, oh, okay, check this box. It makes sense. It's reputable. People will accept that. So I'm going to go do that today. Now at 40, 42 years old, 43 years old soon, you know, I, I'm leaning into the attributes of what made me want to be a sportscaster back then, kind of going back to that 15, 16 year old me and that passion that I had, like Mark, who just wanted to write comedy. And he did. And he has the result of he's a comedy writer. Right. Mm -hmm. But that's he just did the work. And then the result came. I'm now kind of unpacking and redoing and going back to the result that I want is to be able to be a compelling storyteller, to influence, to have a brand that provides value to people. That's mm -hmm. what I want, mm -hmm. but it's based in the, in the, in the desire I had back then, all the stuff in between is a lifestyle. I didn't intend to have, it was a lifestyle somebody else intended for me. And I did a great job of executing for them, but not for me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, on, you are spot on that. It is absolutely about getting out of, uh, being stuck in something that you feel there's no wiggle room out of. Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest, the, and I've said this before, but the most compelling thing for me and, and so many, you were 24, right? When you left your job. And if you were to go back to 24 year old version of you, you would say things to 24 year old version as a 40 or 39, 40 year old man that you are now that you would say, man, at 24, like you have no idea, like the complexities of, of life at 40 or 42 or whatever, like you have no idea live your life. Do, you know, you probably would look back at 24. You didn't do enough. You didn't go big enough. You didn't, mm -hmm. you had, you were tons of possibility. You should have done that. And I say that now about 20 year old version of me, like I didn't have kids. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a wife young, single and free and didn't do things because I felt as though I can't or shouldn't, or it wouldn't be acceptable to others, especially. Right. So if at 42, I have enough wisdom to look at my life currently and say, wow, yeah, there's more complexity now than when I was 20. If I knew now what I knew then, oh my mm -hmm. God, right? But 85 year old version of me, <laughs> right? Is gonna say, I'm, I'm at the end. I, I, you know, I've got health issues. I mean, I hope not, but let's just say, I've got health issues. I've got a few years to live. My kids live all over the place. I really, I'm lonely. like, who knows, right? Like 85 year old version of me is gonna have a set of challenges that are going to make him laugh mm -hmm. at the challenges I think I have at 42. So if I can look back from 42 to 20, I have to be able to look ahead to 85 and look back at 42 and say, yeah, yeah, sure. There are challenges I have, but really, really how challenging are they? Like, when do I give myself the life that I truly believe I desire and want mm -hmm. it's now or never. And that was a big, big piece of me leaving the job. Yeah. So, yeah. No, you know, um, so first off your insurance background has been ingrained in you. I can hear it because you're, you're planning on dying when you're 85. So it's all the statistics. And <laughs> you're right. I got like an actuarial thing yeah, going on. Yeah, that's good you're like at 85, I'm done. <laughs> that's what I'm just at 95. Yeah. 95. That's what I'm cashing out. Cause that's what the stats say. <laughs> uh, anyway, side note. So, um, yeah, I'm curious when was the moment that, or maybe there wasn't one, maybe it was several, but when was the moment that you're like, we were just at our couples mastermind last week. And we asked the question, like, all the guys had to say the moment that I knew I was in love with you was when, and, yeah. um, and it was just a fun exercise, but when was the moment that you knew that your W2 was no longer serving you or that you needed to move on? It was, uh, uh, February 1st of this year of 2021. Um, 
my family was going to actually, thanks to my, my GoBundance pod, they really pushed me on this because I kept saying I wanted to do it. My family went to uh, South Florida for a month. I drove, I had a minivan filled with toys and dogs and drove down and my wife and kids flew down afterward, got this beautiful condo on the beach down there. It, it was great. We had a, an amazing month, but the drive down was a reminder to me that sometimes I need to kind of like just be and let my brain clear out. And I'll explain that a little bit more in a second. Cause I, I've been talking a lot about quiet. Um, and I, I'm due to do that. I'm due to get quiet again. I can feel the need to get quiet again. And I'll, I'll unpack that in a minute here, but, um, on that drive, you know, day one of it was, you know, at the time I, clubhouse was big. I don't know if it still is, but I was on clubhouse listening and, and interacting on there. I was making phone calls, listening to podcasts. It was just like, how do I fill this two, three day drive down to, uh, down to South Florida from Michigan. So, you know, I took it, I stopped in one spot, came in the next day and all that good stuff. But on that first day, it was just, I kind of, you know, noise. And after a while, it gets boring to do that same stuff. And all I have is me, the road. I have to face that. I have to face what's in front of me. This is, I only have me in my brain at this point. And I started to really think about life. I started to think about what's important to me. I started to think about what's next. All this side hustle stuff that I had built, uh, what I had learned from guys in GoBundance, just being around my pod and guys like you and all of that. And, and in that drive, like, you know, as I'm getting into day two and going further south and, and, you know, more and more quiet and all the noise is gone and there's only what's left in the back, so to speak, of my brain, it was a few things. It was like, wait a minute, what, what do I what do I need to make really, you know, to you know, just to sustain my life? What is my what is my expense level? What do I think I can do with time? given the side hustle I've done, I've done this stuff on the side and it built something pretty cool. Like if I could focus all of my energy there, what do I really believe it can be? And what do I truly need? Right? Like, what do I really need in this life? All of those questions that I couldn't, I couldn't run away from them. I literally like, I'm, I have to drive this car that way. I can't stop. I can't, you know, I had to face them. So those questions came, came through my head, through my head. And I really got clear at a point, like, I don't need much. I mean, my budget per month to live, like this is not like food and all that, but like if I, in my mind, for some reason to have my house, a Wi-Fi connection, a cell phone, heat electric, um, and like a car and car insurance, like for some reason, like those expenses to me meant like I can at least sustain. And then, you know, mm -hmm. I, I have to make more obviously for other things. It's like less than $4,000 a month. Mm. I'm like, God damn, man, I can make four. I, that's easy. Yeah. That's easy. I can make four grand a month. So if that number was in my head and it became like possible mm. about, about two hours before I arrived in South Florida, I got a call from a, an old coworker of mine in, um, in uh, Boston where I, where I used to work. He's like, Hey, I don't know if you heard, but uh, Paul, who's this 50 year old active father of two guy I worked with great, great dude. Paul died. He mm. passed away uh, Friday, went into the hospital with chest pain and just never came out. And it was like done. I, now I know, now I know, you know, that was the signal not to, not to, uh, you know, not yeah. that that was for me, but you know, <laughs> that, that was a, a, a clear signal to me that it was time to make the move. And I was, I was literally ready to make the call right then and there. I did the month in, in Florida, came back to the Tahoe event. I saw you there. Um, and right after I got back, I put in my notice, but it was that, that February 1st, like January 31st, February 1st drive dates. But February 1st is when I made the final, like I was 98% of the way there hearing about Paul's death and just how short life is. And you just never know, uh, was, was clear for me. So uh, if you're cool, I, this quiet thing, I want to, yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. I okay. want to hear it. So I, I've been, I've been using this analogy lately and I think it really, I think it really makes sense for, for me and it hopefully makes sense for people. But I talk about getting quiet. Like people, I, how do you leave your job? Get quiet. Like, mm. what do you mean? Get quiet, like meditate, 
Maybe, but I think you need that two, three days of quiet. I've had a drive like that before, like two days on the road. And, and I, I had epiphanies as a result of that. So, you know, I remember after I did this drive to Florida, I thought back four years prior to making a drive from Boston to Michigan. And the same thing, I had these like epiphanies and life-changing thoughts. So that concept of getting quiet and being intentional was really important to me. And just as a side note, my wife and I share once a quarter, a uh, quiet weekend or, or a solo weekend. Like I get my three days, she gets her three days and we just get to be on our own and think no kids, no nothing. And just think, but I look at it like this, like life is so it, it just goes right. And you pack yourself in with a whole bunch of stuff. Your brain gets filled up with noise and all of this stuff. It's kind of like when, when people are visiting your house, like, what do you do? Right. You run around, take all the shit that you can find. You stuff it in a closet and you close that closet doors, you know, like just whatever. Now, when people walk in, what they see on the surface is a clean, organized space, just like, hey, I'm wearing the nice shirt at work. Yeah. I look good. I'm organized and clean. Like this guy's got it together. Right. But behind that closet door, which is about to burst, is a whole bunch of crap. And only when you sit down, finally say, I've got nothing else to do. I'm going to open this and face this messy closet. All the stuff is going to pour out all mm -hmm. the initial stuff. You're going to you're going to it's going to take a day to get through all that crap that you stuffed in the closet. Right. And if you stay in there, if you stay in there, you're going to start searching at the back of the closet and you're going to find a few things like maybe some things that you, you want to like, Oh my God, I have to bring this stuff back out. Like mm -hmm. this is an identity piece for me. Like how did I let this get buried at the back of the closet? This is part of me. Like, man, this brings back memories of, of great things or what I want or who I want to be or whatever the case may be. Like you might bring that stuff out. And you're also going to find in the back of that closet stuff that you're saying, like, why am I holding on to this? Like, mm -hmm. what, what is that item doing for me? Like, I need to just let it go. Yeah. And you can see the analogy to the brain, right? Like day one of cleaning out that closet is you just letting that that clubhouse uh, uh, texting, calling, doing all that stuff I was doing on day one of my drive. And then at a certain point, you got to face what else is in the closet. You got to face what's in your brain and you're going to find the same stuff, stuff you should let go of and stuff that reminds you of what you truly want or who you truly are or of great times in life and creates inspiration and motivation in you. So that quiet time, the best analogy I have is that it's cleaning out that closet, getting rid of the junk, and then you got to stay in there and find what's really at the back in the dark recesses of it and determine whether or not it's something that needs to stay or go. Mm. And that to me helps you shape and form identity, reshape and reform identity. It allows you to move forward in ways that, you know, you don't get when life is wake up, meditate, go to the gym, go to work, come home, make food with the kids, say hi to the wife, kiss the kids to bed, and then maybe zone out on next Netflix for an hour, repeat the next day. You never give yourself space to clean out your mental closet. And that for me has been compelling and a really a game changer in my life. And that's really the moment I think by doing so that allowed me to make this change. And I know doing that systematically and methodically being quiet for periods of time, two, three days at a time uh, is the key for me to continue to grow and continue to find the right, the right, you know, Avenue in life for me. I have a couple questions on that. Cause I think if we took away nothing, but anchoring this and you're not the first person that I've heard say this, but I only know of two or three that do this. And so I, I think there's something to this and Karen, I've been talking about adopting this. So when did you start this? Uh, we started, so I came back in February. We started it in Q2 of this year. So okay. we're, we're like on our third quarter coming up here. Okay. Um, you know, as you're saying all that too, um, you know, back in the day, so we've always been huge on vacations. So that was one thing that yeah. Kara and I said from the beginning was that, you know, we're going to make memories over possessions and we always prioritized, prioritized vacations, but, but I've never been as intentional about my alone time, like you're saying. And then when I heard Daniel Casey, another GoBundance guy say this, I was like, I, he actually said it on my podcast. 
I walked away from that and I told Kara, I said, we got to adopt this. And then she's been working with a coach that, um, kind of, it's a transformational type thing, more deeper work. And the coach told her, you need to go somewhere where you wouldn't normally go for yeah. three, at least three days by yourself and do things that you wouldn't normally do in your normal pattern. And I thought it was funny because I, I think the universe is trying to tell us something, but so you do it for two to three days. Yeah, we go Friday to Sunday. So Friday night to Sunday. And actually it's funny, my wife, we were struggling this quarter. And for some reason we got locked into that. I'm like, why don't you just do like Tuesday to Thursday? I'll watch the kids. She's like, oh yeah, I don't know why I, I wouldn't do that. But, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, Friday to Sunday. So it's two nights. Mm -hmm. And and really, because I think you need that, that, um, that it's like detoxing. I don't mean to like compare it to yeah. like alcoholism, but like you need that day, day and a half of just, cause you're not going to just stop looking at your phone. I, I maybe you can, I, you're just not going to stop doing like, Oh crap. Let me just tie up this loose end. Let me just take care of that. So I think you need that first 24 hours of like tying that stuff up. And then it's like, all right, I have nothing else to do. And then you go into the quiet, but yeah, three days. And, and so is there any format to it? Are you working on yourself? Are you working on your business? Are you all the above? Just whatever. Is there like any kind of flow or you just get into a flow state and figure out what's going to happen? Yeah. It's just, it's sort of like what not to do. It's like, I no Netflix, no TV, nothing like that. So I get, I, I'll literally go to a hotel. That's uh -huh. a mile up the road for me and just stay there. Like okay. in town, if something happens, I'm here or whatever. Yeah, yeah. My wife went to Fort Lauderdale for one of these and uh, spent three days at the W uh, hotel down there. She had a, you know, she actually spent an extra day. She called like, Hey, I'm going to stay one more night. Yes. <laughs> no problem. So, you know, we do it wherever we can or however we can, but the flow for me honestly is um, allow for, for like that, that detox time I talked yeah. about and then allow for, whatever thoughts are going to come up. And then honestly, it's just journaling. It's writing out everything I can, everything that comes to mind. I just, I just write and it's all over the place. I mean, it's sticky notes. It's in a notepad. I, I probably can't even read it if I went back, but just, it just cleans it out. Yeah. And then uh, ideas usually come out of that writing. And that's where, yeah. that's where I, uh, I start to kind of take action once I'm done with that weekend, but very loose. It's just, don't, don't look at it as like, let me just sit down and eat Cheetos and watch Netflix. Like <laughs> this is intended for me to kind of get clarity. Yeah. And I, and it's hard in that first 24 hours, you're like, when's it coming? But it comes, it, you, yeah. you have to face it at some point. You know, the, I, I'm totally going to adopt this by the way, Karen, and I've been talking about it and I'm, I'm, I'm set. I'm sold now. Um, but we've talked about this for a long time. Like I, I don't call vacation vacation. I call it recreation because every time I get, you know, out of my zone and into that, that's kind of like that place for me. But yeah. I can only imagine doing that alone for two to three days intentionally, how much uh, further it would go. My team used to hate it when I would go on vacation um, because, oh. well, because it was that time of recreation and it would allow me, oh, oh, oh. it <laughs> would allow back. Yeah. It would allow, like, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'd go work on the deep things and just identify two, three, four things that we really needed to, you know, to next level us up. And, and so I'd come back we're doing this, we're doing this, and this is what we need to do next. And they're like, Oh my God. And then, so then it was basically like vacation would in essence become like that for me, but to go yeah. do this intentionally on, on yourself is, is next level. So yeah, vacation's good. We do the same date nights. We do a date night every other Saturday night. And, and inevitably it turns to what you're talking about. We get creative together. We talk about what we want to co-create just life in general. It's not do you hear about Barb? You know, yeah. she got uh, this disease or that's not what we do on yeah. our, on our dates. Like we're, we're, we're always doing that, but that solo is just another level because you, you have no one, you have nothing but you to bounce things off of. And I'm always amazed at how like confused and like, like even like I get like a sweat sometimes with like fear over something. And then that writing piece, when I write it down, 
like within a this happens all the time within a sentence of just writing out this big fear that's in my brain about like what I'm going to do or whatever mm. it solves itself like by the next sentence I, I know that sounds like woo woo but like just writing it down it's amazing how like there's something in you that just that just channels into my left hand which is what I write with and and like by sentence two it's like oh well I can just this mm. okay move on but when you're day to day those worries pop up and what do you do you you know you, you medicate from them drink watch tv whatever even when i pop up in the middle of the night uh and my my thoughts like flood me which like i'm sure i'm sure that happens to you and to many people but um i try my best to confront them not run away from them not like okay let me just calm down breathe you know count sheep like no that's like numbing it i'd rather face the bully and know that that bully is uh is going to get uh is going to get the best of me in that moment meaning like the best version of me in that moment and it's like fierce with Tim Ferriss, usually it's like, this isn't so scary. And I go back to bed, you know, as opposed to, as opposed to running away from it. So that's what the quiet by yourself solo time does. It doesn't, it doesn't allow you to get distracted, be taken away by somebody else's thought or, or even feel compelled with your wife or whomever to, to honor what they need in this moment. You know, like when you're, you know, you've given and talked about what you want now. Oh, let me, your turn. Like there's just a natural inclination to do that. This is just you, all you, you can cry, you can sweat, you can do whatever you want to do, but, uh, it, it's just, it clears my brain. Yeah. So I, I want to circle us back. Cause I think there's so much value in, in the process of, you know, exiting a W2 or deciding you're going to, or not going to, or whatever. Um, I was having a conversation with my coach the other day and when I was looking backwards, um, you know, you've said this already, but I was 24 years old and, um, leaving my job. And then year. so I think we started our company in June. I think we got our contractor's license in June. And by the end of that year, we had 15 or 18 employees and we're doing almost a million dollars in revenue. And by 2009, we're on the Inc fastest growing companies in America list. And I look back and Jamie, I was doing a, I was doing a lot of things, right. But I was, this is the conversation I was having with my coach the other day. I can look at so many points in time from the time I left my job from, you know, employees coming, uh, to work for us and clients, you know, just stacking up, wanting us to do work for them. There's so many miracles that happened for me along the way. And, um, my coach asked me the question the other day, he said, so is, is a miracle your baseline? Do you think of it that way? Because when I look backwards, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think I did a lot of things right, but also when we get moving, you know, life rallies around us. The universe rallies around us. God rallies around us, whatever people, people rally around us. And so here, here's, I guess my direct question. So I've been pondering this since my coach said that, and you know, I can look backwards and I can see miracles, but looking forward, it's really hard for me to make a miracle, the baseline, um, or to expect a miracle. And what I'm saying, when I say miracles, I don't mean like, you know, supernatural healing and that kind of, I mean, just literally like, um, the universe is conspiring for me. Like when I get my head in the right space and I'm moving toward what you said, like, what do you value? And, and you're, you got those toward goals and you're not running away from things. You're running toward things. I literally believe that every single day that I wake up, if I'm in the right frame of mind and I can take that next step and start expecting the miracle to be the baseline or just even to, you know, maybe take it away from that form of conversation. But even like, again, the universe is conspiring for me. It's, it's doing, you know, bringing good to me. People want to do good for me and with me and to me. And so here's my question for you. How much of that do you think plays into it? And how much, how much fear is involved in people not leaving their job because of counting their money or, 
um, because of all these reasons, um, security and, you know, what are we going to do? Cause, and maybe it was cause I was young, but I wasn't thinking about any of that. We were like, does this feel right? Is this, is this what we should do? And the answer was absolutely yes, because I was aligning with my values. I wasn't counting my pennies. Um, it was more like, and I realized that the older we get, the more challenging that is because we have more shit that we have to pay for on our, but it's like you said, the $4,000 a month. I mean, yeah. like really, we, I've talked to so many people that think that they literally think that they need to, you know, replace a hundred, 120, 140,000. And when you really get down to it, no, you need to replace 40, 50,000. And so 60, anyway, I, I guess I'll just, I'll throw this back at you, but, yeah. um, what do you think about all that? And you know, how many people are just frozen and not moving because they're, they're stuck and they're looking at all of that versus just walking into faith. It's the number one thing people are, are afraid of. And I, 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 there's two, there's two different things and I have two, but two, two different, uh, uh, statements, but along the same line that I think, uh, uh, we'll, we'll speak to this. I speak a lot about, about the concept of evidence versus emotion. When we're in that place, I'm in that place of like, oh, I, oh, what this could happen, that could happen. Oh, I can't make enough money to pay for this or pay for that or whatever. That's all emotion. It's all emotion. And the likelihood is if you're at a point where you're thinking about leaving your job, that if you do stop like you did and look back like you did and see all of the things that you've done to get to where you are, you've accomplished a lot. And that all of that, whatever that is, the things you overcome, the obstacles, the job that you applied for four times before getting on the fifth time within your company or whatever it might be, right? Like whatever you've done, raising three kids on your own up to this point is all evidentiary support of your capability. Hmm. The emotion is what keeps you in place. Like, okay, yeah, I got here, but it's all luck. But I, you know, the future, like, I, I've never done this. I've never done that. Well, you've never done what you've done today before you did it, right? Mm -hmm. You've never done any of what you've accomplished until you accomplished it. So absolutely it freezes you in time and it makes you feel as though there's not possibility for you to do something that seems extraordinary or seems unique or seems undoable for you given the circumstances of where you are right now. But that's all emotion. You need to go back and look and hearken back to the evidence of your life. I think that's what pushes you forward. You mentioned who, not how earlier. Uh, I only bring it up because of the writer and the, and the sort of the mind behind it, which is Dan Sullivan, strategic coach guy and Dr. Benjamin Hardy. And I'll tell, I'm going to say how I, how I I've gotten access to the newest book that Benjamin Hardy wrote. Um, but you talk about opportunities, not just financially, but personally, like I met Benjamin Hardy as uh, he and I were both guests of a major league baseball owner at his suite to go watch a game. Like that stuff never happened in my W2 life. And those are the kinds of opportunities that come at you when you open up and you say, this is what I want from life and things come at you. But I met him. We talked about uh, what he's working on now. And he's he wrote a book called The Gap and the Gain. The Gap and the Gain. It comes out October 15th. I've read it already on my iPhone, thanks to him. And it talks about it talks about that future piece, it, uh, sort of three levels, right? There's where you start at the bottom, in the middle is what you've achieved, and at the top is the ideal, where you're trying to get to. When you're focused between the start and the achievement, whatever it is to this point, you're focused in the gain. And when you focus on the gain, you're present. When you focus on the gain, you're grateful. When you focus on the gain, you're happy, right? It's not, it's not stressful. You're here. You're in the moment. You're present. You, 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 this is all that I've done. Wow. Yeah, there's more I want to do. Of course, you're going to have goals. It's not like you're not going to, but I do or did, and many do or did focus in the gap, which is the space between what's been achieved and the ideal. And we all do this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you were to say to me, 10 years ago, right? Or 20 years ago, you're going to be a millionaire, right? I would have been like, dude, when I become a millionaire, like it's going to be on <laughs> yeah. celebration. When I hit it, like I, yeah, it didn't feel any different. I didn't do anything. I didn't celebrate it. It was, it was just, 
kind of the momentum of life, right? Because I was looking at the gain or the gap, I should say, what's next million, 5 billion, 10 million, whatever the case may be. Right. Yeah. But when you're focused in that gain and you're grateful and you're celebrating the successes that you have, then then you're going to you're going to be more creative. You're going to be less or more unencumbered, I guess, to to think about the possibilities of your life because you're always looking at what has been done already. Mm -hmm. You know what the possibilities are. You're in the game. You're where you are today because of them. So I think those are two different concepts that I lean into. Evidence versus emotion is what I called it. But this gap in the gain concept, it's just, it's so brilliant. It spoke to me. It's a Dan Sullivan concept, mm -hmm. but uh, Ben lays it out really, really well in this book. And uh, I think that's the, that's what a W2 person has to start with is, there's fear in front of you, but there has been before and you've overcome it and you're just not recognizing or, or hearkening back to that. And when you do, it'll absolutely compel you to say, wow, yeah, okay. I, I, I bet you I can achieve mm. what, you know, whatever it is I want to, because I have evidence to support that. Yeah. I love that. Um, I know we're getting close on time, but I, I actually, another hour. <laughs> I know I, I coached with Dan Sullivan, um, for a couple years and I was actually, you know, when Dan comes up with a new concept, he'll flush it out in the 10 X program. And Were it was you there. Did he do that with you? Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's in the book. He talks about it. How yeah. he just kind of wrote it down and people were blown away by it. Yeah. yeah was, well, wow. and it was like, it was, but, but it wasn't fully formulated yet. Like it was hard to understand at that stage. And I saw the other day, um, I, I saw somewhere that Ben said, this is the most important book that he's written. And so I was like, super excited. Wow. One to one. He said that Yeah, he means that he believes that. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Um, well, I know you got to go in a few minutes. You got another podcast coming up here. I in, do. I'm in demand sorry. Guy. No, um, any, let, let's just, let's, let's wrap it up. I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you just kind of take over any, any last words of wisdom, anything you want to share? What's on your heart? Yeah, look, I, but first off, uh, thanks, you, thanks for the time. Like, I mean, I just, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Mike Aiella. I call him the Mike Aiella, as we talked about at the beginning of this thing, because he is, I, I mean, just being here, being with you, knowing you, having your number in my cell phone means a ton to me. I mean, it it speaks to the quality of individual that I'm around, and I, I see you as very high quality. Uh, you're vulnerable, you're authentic, you're driven, you're giving, you're abundant in mindset. So thank you for that. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time on Instagram trying to bring my journey to people that are in this space. I mean, I believe that the people that might follow me are like that 35 to 45 year old six figure guy that's like trying to find that freedom, investing for freedom, all of that stuff. So at the Jamie Gruber, he's the Mike Aiella, at the Jamie Gruber is the best place to follow me. But I would just say, I would just say that uh, for those of you that are thinking about about the idea of leaving your job. The things that block us are, we talked about the, the whole gap and gain concept. Uh, getting quiet is important. It's very, very important. And the other part too is understanding that, you know, finding purpose, which is what, when I left my job, many people that are kind of me, you know, that middle-aged, six figure earner with a, with, you know, uh, uh, equity and all of that good stuff. Their, their biggest thing was like, I wish I could do that. I just don't know what I would do. Mm. And what I've learned most people and me included uh, mean when they say, I don't know what I would do is I need to find the thing I would do. That's acceptable to everybody around me. Mm. And I have to stay there, whatever it is, whatever that purpose is that I would have outside of my job. I need to stay there because if I pivot and pivot and pivot, people are going to look at me strange and say, man, you're all over the place. Mm. And that self judgment is going to keep you right where you are. So you have to be comfortable with the idea that whatever you think your purpose might be, just take action on it and wow. just be comfortable with the idea that it's going to change potentially and change again and change again. And you're going to, you know, step five will look very different than step one. Mm -hmm. 
And the only reason why you're not okay with that, if no one around you knew or had anything to say about it, you'd be fine with it, whatever you're living your life. But because people will judge that it keeps you at your job. It keeps you from taking step one because you believe you need to have a fully vetted step five before you have step one in place. Mm -hmm. So take step one, find purpose through quiet, write down some ideas, take action on one of them, take real action. Don't just research it, real action on one idea, and then let it guide you. Let the universe direct where you're going to go. Focus on the gain, not the gap, as we talked about. And you'll find yourself to this place where you found purposeful work, things that you really get uh, uh, drive and, and, uh, and uh, energy from. Um, and yeah, I, that's the steps to take when you're sort of ingrained in this W2 culture. You're feeling this hollowness like I felt, and you don't know exactly how to break that. There's two ways. You medicate in some way, shape, or form, and numb yourself mm. or you take intentional action by getting quiet and just taking one step towards something that feels purposeful and being okay with the pivot. That's kind of my, my, uh, my uh, advice to anybody in my situation. Boom. I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> Tried to end with a hard, like yeah. you know, the, the mic drop moment. So that was that's good, the goal. man. That was so good. <laughs> well, Jamie, I really appreciate your time. As he said, go find him at the Jamie Gruber on Instagram. And I meant what I said in the beginning, like every time you put something up, I stop you, you stop me and I listen. And, um, so highly recommend following Jamie. Um, yeah, appreciate you brother. It's a ton, man. Appreciate you. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah. Thanks for being here. If you found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.